G'day, friends of the show. Here is an episode coming to you from about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I've had it on my sleeve for a while, waiting for the right time to kind of fit it in with whatever topic I'm going through. And now is that time. It it begins talking about ghosts and gets into some interesting rabbit trails. So enjoy the episode. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. G'day and welcome back to Ideas Digest, the live podcast practice where we fear no idea because if we fear it, we will never truly understand it. That's that's the mode of operation I'm within. And if we don't understand it, we can't understand the person who holds the idea. So the goal is really to understand the person and the idea is a means of doing that. Um, and so that's the goal. Now, the goal is definitely not to change someone's mind because personally, I don't believe that's actually possible for me to do. So I've given up on that. I'm settling for understanding. The other goal is to, I don't just want to listen to ideas we that I agree with. So the goal of the podcast is let's listen to the ideas we might disagree with and um, see where that leads us. So my name's Conrad. If you're new to the show, welcome. Welcome everybody. But a quick heads up. If you're list- if this is the first episode you're listening to and you're enjoying it and you're thinking, man, I love this podcast. I agree with everything I'm hearing. This is fantastic. I've got to be honest, don't get too comfortable because my goal is actually to try and just trigger you as much as possible. I'm going to try and present you with the ideas that will repulse you the most because the practice is sitting with those ideas and see if we can understand the enemy, so to speak. People, you know, who we disagree with might be labeled the enemy. So, heads up, if you're enjoying this episode, I can't guarantee you'll enjoy the next one, but that's the one I want you to listen to, the one that triggers you most. So, I said this was a live podcast. You can join us live on Instagram, send through some questions, and we can involve them in the show. And it's also a practice. A practice, what does that mean? You can either sit and listen passively, that's okay, or if you want to take it to the next level and engage with the practice... There's three things you can do. Number one, I've already mentioned it. Listen to the episode that triggers you the most. Number two, if you have a question, comment it on the Instagram as I'm as I'm posting clips throughout the week. I'm just one person. I can't think of all the questions. What did I miss? Ask a question. What are, what do you what did you wish I had of asked? And number three, shoot me a DM. What did it make you think? Do you have any further questions? Any thoughts you want to share? Connect in the DMs. We love hearing from you. Now with the preamble out of the way, let's get into it. Let's get into it. The clickbait, while you're all here, the clickbait is ghosts are real. Now, to talk to us about this is returning and longtime friend of the show, Seth Taylor. <laughs> welcome back, Seth. Longtime friend of the show. It's good to have you here. Yeah, welcome, man. I feel like I'm, my heart is in Australia. It's away from all this COVID nineteen, you know, Trumpness and insanity here. It's it's great. Thank you. Well, you you're very you're very welcome. Now, last time we had you on the show because we've had you on a couple of times to talk about a few different things, and uh, the last time you were here, we made some assumptions about you. You know, you're an American guy. We've, we got we got that out of our system, and I I do like doing it because it's kind of, it's kind of fun and. Um, 
I, I actually came up with, with another, but, but I'm going to do something a, a little bit different this time. I, I, um, because I've, we've already done this already, I'm going to pretend that I'm describing you to someone I don't know. So they'd be like, hey, hey, Conrad, who's this Seth guy? What's he like? And, and so I'm going to describe what I would probably say about you, given how well we know each other so far. Okay. Um, here's what I would say. Then. Someone would be like, oh, hey, Conrad, uh, this Seth guy, I listened to that podcast. What do, what do you reckon? I would say, ah, listen, yeah. Seth's an interesting guy. He's, uh, he's not an atheist. He's one of those like he's, he's a loony, he's a looning bloke. <laughs> that was British, but we'll, we'll go we'll go with that. I can't do Australian. I just can't. <laughs> I'd say oh, he's he's maybe like a semi New Age Christian type. Like seems to like science, but then talks about demons and ghosts. So if you're an atheist, you'll probably not be a fan. If you're a Christian, you'll definitely not be a fan. But he's a nice guy. I'd I'd say he's a nice guy, and you should probably meet him. That's how I would introduce you, Seth. How do you feel about that? Hey, that's that's solid. Actually, that's pretty solid. I I, I deeply appreciate that that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I've got to confess some assumptions. So, on on the clickbait alone, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth. A yes or no? Okay. Uh, mm. Just based on the clickbait, mostly uh, ghosts are real. Seth, are you a twelve year old boy who's afraid of the dark? God, I hope not. No, <laughs> I'm not. Physically, I'm not. no. Mentally, you hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not i'm okay. definitely not do you here's here's another one do you use no no that was a question i've got to make an assumption about it seth you mm. clearly must use crystals or essential oils to like cleanse the aura of things and stuff like that sometimes yes i do oh yes got it okay i'm gonna grab one <laughs> he's got one on hand i'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it right here <laughs> Right next to the microphone. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, here's a new question. It's it's outside the parameters of yes or no. Uh, I feel like given some of the guests I've been talking to lately, I I am gonna have to, um, I am gonna have to increase the the frequency of this type of question. How many conspiracy theories do you believe? Let's say like you don't have to be specific. Let's say most people believe at least one. Okay, and the ranking of of one like you know, maybe one. And then at the top end, we'll say flat earthers are at a 10. Where would you place yourself on that spectrum of like conspiracies? You know, if you can think of one, we all believe one, like everyone, come on, like Loch Ness. Yeah. We all know it's in there. You mean 10 means I'm just like fully on board with conspiracy theories? Like everything, like flat earther, like the whole gamut, QAnon, you know, you know, but yeah, like between one and 10. I'm probably a 1.5, maybe two. Pretty low, on, on, I would say. Then pretty low. I I think uh, like a lot of people uh, that I know, I would place them around a four. I reckon, um, just based on my new Conrad scale of conspiracy theories. Uh, I think it's going to become more handy as time goes on and the election draws closer. But we we'll, we won't talk about that. Uh, all right, Seth. That's all I've got. Um, the, the last conversation we had, uh, you mentioned something to Cam and I about ghosts and, and, and Cam and I just looked at each other. We went, ghosts, we got to talk about this and true to our word, you are back. We are here to talk about ghosts. Ghosts are real. Seth, just before you start, recap like who you are and what you do and then, and then go where you want. Um, okay. So my, my name's Seth Taylor. I am a... 
I don't know what is my, t- I always forget what my title is. I'm a life coach. <laughs> okay. So uh, that means basically a therapist that doesn't want to go through all the rigmarole of getting certified in things. But I, but I, I, uh, I, I do therapeutic work with people. I'm an author. Uh, I'm, I, I do, I just work in the healing arts, but I do it in, in all kinds of spaces, um, individually with people, um, in mentorship with people, le- other healers, trying learning how to do, you know, various things. I do, I work in the world of sports a lot. I do a lot of mental and emotional health with, with high level athletes. I do, um, I try to create therapeutic materials to help people deal with anxiety, depression, addiction. Um, I'm the founder of, of a few different kind of brands and things like that. But I, but mainly, I guess you could sum up, I'm, I'm, I'm a healer of sorts, I guess you could say. It's a tough one. I, I don't have the elevator pitch down for that very well. So, <laughs> right. we'll, we'll we'll workshop it after the show. We'll workshop it. It wasn't right. bad. It wasn't That'd bad. I feel like uh, anyone listening yeah. on on Instagram, you can feel free to shoot through any questions you might have for Seth if you want to clarify anything. Yeah. But let's let's begin at the starting point. I don't know where this will end up, but the starting point is go surreal, Seth. Yeah. Like. Bring me to that idea. I suppose the first question is yeah. like, how do you, how are you defining the word ghost? Are we talking like Casper grade? Are we talking like haunted <laughs> mansion? Like what, what are we talking about? Uh, I think haunted mansion is a good place to start. I think that's okay. a legit concept because that concept didn't come from nowhere. Right. So it's not, a, it's not like someday, you know, somebody in the late 1800s is like, Hey, I got an idea. Let's, let's, you know, make a fad out of mansions that are haunted. Um, people had experiences throughout time. And then over the time we begin to assign language to those experiences. And then, and then uh, at some point, somebody, even the the word ghost used to be a relatively common concept. I mean, we used to call it the Holy ghost. At least I did when I was, you know, when I was a kid and in my church, we'd still talk about the father, the Holy ghost. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, you know, something that, I mean, that was really common back in the mid 20th century. That's what it was still called. It was still called the Holy ghost. Um, so when we're talking about ghosts, we're simply talking about so like a synonym for spirit. Type. Yeah, that's all it is. I mean, when we're talking about ghosts, we're talking about synonym for spirit and soul. And that's why I was telling you, I said, hey, if we're going to talk about ghosts, we're going to have to talk about soul. What is it? And, you know, I think most people use the terms, mm-hmm. especially if they're coming from any type of religious space, you're using the terms uh, soul and spirit probably a lot. And a lot of people use them very interchangeably. Um, I see them as totally different things um, related to each other deeply, but not the same thing. And so when we talk about ghosts, we are talking about a phenomenon of some type of trauma that can actually trap, I would say, fractured soul parts, pieces of souls or people's souls in certain space and time type of type of uh, experiences. So, um, you know, the classic vision of the haunted house, right? Actually, can I just tell you a story to illustrate? Is that okay? Go for it. All right, so um, I live in a little town called Renton. It's a suburb of Seattle in, in Washington State in the U.S. And and a friend of mine moved into a house uh, just down the street, 125-year-old house, 130-year-old house, really old, been there, been there a long time. And I went over one day, and I noticed this giant pile of laundry. And I said, what's the deal with the laundry? And she said, because uh, their uh, laundry machine was in the basement. And she goes, oh, we can't do laundry. And I go, why? She goes, there's something down there. I go, what do you mean? She goes, there is a ghost in the basement by the line. We, and I'm telling you, we're not going down there. And she was legit scared. I mean, it was legit scared. And I said, how, well, how do you know? And she goes, I, we, there's noises that happen from the basement every night and it's scaring the shit out of us and we can't do it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, fascinating. So anyway, so I started to kind of, you know, tune, tune into the energy a little bit. 
And sure enough, there was what I would call, you know, they would call a ghost. I would call a trapped soul part. So there's it's someone's soul rather than being able to cross over, you know, whatever term you want to use, heaven, hell, afterlife kind of concept. Um, it's there's a there's actually a person's soul was trapped in that space. And the reason we we tend to associate ghosts with fear, with like scary things is because trauma trauma on the soul is what creates that fracturing and what and we have to kind of you know we could go back to some of the quantum physics but the idea is this when you're dealing with issues of soul or spirit you are dealing with quantum energy you're dealing with something beyond the subatomic it's into the subatomic realm beyond what's known as a Planck scale right so we're dealing with things that are they don't obey the same rules of space and time right so the soul and the spirit are, are not they're parts of us go ahead when you're using soul and spirit, how, like, what yep. are you talking about there? Is there a difference between the yeah, two? Yeah, yeah. What is soul and what is spirit? Yeah, let me let me back it up here. I need to back it up properly. Um, so I see. I believe that the human person is made up of certain components. Okay, I believe you have a body. Mm-hmm. Okay, that has all kinds of mushy stuff in it, and the brain is a really important part of that. I believe you have an ego, which is located in the thinking brain, and the thinking brain, the ego, is the think of it like a computer. It is the operating system for the human body. Okay. I believe that you also have a spirit and the spirit is the operating system for the soul. The soul comes and inhabits the body and uses it as a vehicle for its own experience. Does that make sense? Is this like a, like a, uh, is it in any way metaphorical or you're talking more like literally? No, there's, there's I mean, something... I mean, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally. I, and and of course this is this might sound very Buddhist, which it's it's more in line with their belief systems, right? Buddhism, Hinduism, things like that's a little more of an Eastern. It's an Eastern thought, but of course Christianity is an Eastern religion, and I and there's a plenty of Christian traditions around the planet around the planet that would give this credence. But the soul literally is your core consciousness that comes and inhabits a human body. Conrad is a role that you are playing. Your soul is you. You have a body. You have a brain. You have a spirit. Does that make sense? You have a body, a mind, and a spirit. The ego yeah. functions in that I don't, thinking brain. I don't hear, because I don't hear, you know, the the Buddhist line of thought. This this idea that the ego is a story, it, like the brain will tell itself stories as to, you know, like Jonathan Haidt's The Righteous Mind. He's like, we'll do largely things unconscious, but then our consciousness will will tell ourselves stories as to why we did certain things and so we actually think we're making those decisions when actually the story is just justifying the decisions we've already made and we're making up reasons as to why that is and so it's like sounds like you're taking it a step further to go there is the consciousness part so you know if you're listening to maybe sam harris's meditations or someone's meditations where you sit there and you try and find consciousness within science is trying to find what the hell consciousness is you're saying consciousness the part that is aware of being aware you can sit there and be like how do i know i am alive when you ask that question you sit with it you're like i just am and you kind of get to the end of that and they might call that like consciousness you're saying that that level of consciousness is soul soul yes right that level of consciousness is soul your core consciousness the wisdom traditions would refer to it as soul so when we talk about soul 
That's it. And that is inhabiting an experience in the body, which is why it has the capability of observing the body, observing the mind, observing the experience, right? Because it's, it's just, I mean, it's like if I'm riding in a car, I can observe the car, right? You know, the, the light goes on. Oh, I need to get gas. I can observe the experience. That's the idea yeah. is that it's a vehicle that we're, we're in. Now, just like the human body can be injured, the soul can be wounded. Mm -hmm. And when we deal with a fracturing of the soul, we're dealing with what's known as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Well, PTSD creates a fracturing of the soul. Now, if we understand the soul as a quantum thing, it's an actual thing. It's not just an idea of a thing. It's a thing, right? Then if it's fractured, we have to ask ourselves, like if, if, I'm, if I'm rolling on and my, I get my pinky finger cut off and it drops and hits the ground, and I continue to go on, my pinky finger remains there. Yeah. And my pinky finger will someday rot and move into the soil, whatever, but it remains in that space. If the soul is fractured, what happens to the fracture? What happens to the part that is, that is broken off? Well, that's where we deal with issues of space and time. And I believe that part of the soul can literally break off in order to escape or, you know, escape trauma. When we see a state of shock, we're dealing with that. When we see, when we see dissociative states, Hey, have you ever seen someone in major shock? You know, it's like they're dissociated from themselves. It's because mm. a part of the soul literally can snap off, leave the body. I believe that the, those parts can can get trapped in that space, that time, in that trauma. And it remains in that space, in that time. And it remains, it can be literally physically located in a space, in a time. But the, the reason there's so much fear associated with ghosts is because they are actually trapped in the trauma. They live it as a time loop. And so when something's trapped in time in, in trauma, it's experiencing fear or abandonment or rage or violence, then it emanates that frequency. And so therefore we experience them as fearful kind of things. So question from X Raz Aniv X on an Instagram yeah. live here. Uh, delineate between the ideas of demons and ghosts we spoke to you last time like a little bit about yeah. demons so uh, is there a difference between the two because i think i grew up with the religious tradition that said ghosts aren't real but demons are so if there's a ghost it's actually the devil that's kind of one right. way yeah, of looking yeah. at this picture yeah i was given that that as well and i would say hey, go back and go back and you know listen to that po that whole podcast because there's definitely a de delineation demonic entities i i believe are things that are literally um when when we're traumatized there is trauma is more than just a fracturing of the soul there's an actual energy that gets hap happens in the body things like repressed grief uh anger like if i am traumatized as a child i had not only am i hurt i'm angry this energy rises up within me and we and i learn every child learns pretty early on in the human race how to suppress or repress that energy within, within their body that energy can be literally transformed. I believe the ego has the capacity to actually change those energies or grant those energies some form of consciousness. And actually that helps defend us against having to feel that pain. And I believe that that is where we find entities. Demonic entities are creations of ego that have a certain intention, a certain level of consciousness, a certain vibration, and they're meant to help protect us from our pain. So that's why we, we kind of, we've known them to give a little review of that your, your definition of demons is like a self-created trauma, an ego attached to some level of trauma, giving it consciousness. 
And so in some yeah. sense, you, you're not, you're changing the, say, more known Christian idea that says the, the devil is something out there that comes into attack. Your picture, your painting says this, these entities or demons are things we create from trauma or from these things and then they can kind of possess us that way it's almost like they external things happen but they kind of create from within is that is that they create from within you... i think primarily yeah, yeah primarily yeah. they create from within but I'm, i will say this i believe that um you know if you if you know anything about how quantum particles function quantum entanglement or the resonant frequencies and stuff like that have the ability to create kind of a sticky substance in a sense and i think we can go into spaces and and actually leave spaces with things kind of stuck onto us in a sense i you know i I would call them attachments i think we can gain attachments externally i think our primary problem is from from an internal creation but i mean and especially for those of us that get are super empathic or super sensitive energetically you walk into a space i mean i'm working with clients all the time and if i that i'm moving so much of as i'm helping them with their trauma i'm moving that energy through my body and if i don't do the work of clearing my own system so I can walk away with my client's stuff stuck inside of me. And then I have to, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons. Make it really, I suppose, accessible in the sense that when you're, when you're talking about like you can feel people's energies, you can walk into sure. a room and sense something. How would the average person who isn't aware of all of this, how would you describe to them? No, no, you've probably felt it. You just like, do you think they've, they've actually felt these things themselves, even if they're, like they don't think like demons or ghosts right. or anything are real. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. People, people experience this. I think every human being experiences this at some level. I think some of us are extremely cut off from our senses, but, but everyone feels it. Everyone experiences it. Everyone's affected by it. We are all affected by energy all the time in spaces. We are, con- this is, you know, we get into field theory. You're, con- you're connected to so many different magnetic fields, gravitational fields, energetic fields. We are affected by the moon. We are affected by the by the gravitational pull of other planets. We're affected by sun sun flares. We are expected. We are all affected by this all the time. The question is, are we aware of it? Now, some people might say, "Well, that sounds like really unpleasant. Like, I don't want to be aware of when Mercury's in retrograde. My guts hurt." You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, no, I get that. I totally get that because if we open ourselves, if we begin to open ourselves to a spiritual experience and to our energetic kind of sense of ourselves, we do start to feel and experience these things. And then we have to learn how to turn those things into strengths. We have to train ourselves. We have to hone those abilities. We have to become mature spiritual people. You know, one of the reasons you see a church that when we look at the Christian church, that's devoid of spiritual power is because, because we're not dealing with spiritual things. You're not dealing with energetic transformative healing processes. You're dealing with an egoic structure of belief not an actual energetic experience. So most people, all people are having these experiences all the time, but most people don't, uh, are not aware of it. And some people, some people are aware of it at some level. Like I was in New York city a couple of years ago. It was my first time going to New York and okay, we have a big country. So you can, I live at the opposite end of the country. So I'd gone to New York city for the first time. I was doing some work with a, a major league soccer, our professional soccer league here. And we're having this dinner with a bunch of the executives and I, I said to this, this lady, I said, her name is Christina. And I said, Hey, uh, can, uh, I was wondering, I mean, I have like one day to see sites. What should I go see? And she said, well, if, if you've never been here before, you should go to the world trade center. You really should probably go to ground zero and pay your respects. You know? And I was like, yeah, you know, I was thinking I should do that. I said, and she says, yeah, 
I, you know, I go, do you, do you go through there often? And she goes, no, no. She goes, it's on my way to work, but I actually go around. And I go, why? And she says, it's, it's creepy there. And I said, what do you mean it's creepy? She goes, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just creepy. I, so I said, so wait a minute, you, you walk around it to get to work because it's creepy. And she said, yeah. I go, and I, I kind of leaned into her. I go, do you see things? And she's not a religious person and she's not a, you know, mystical weirdo like me. She just goes, no. And I go, wait a minute. I go, you do. You see things, don't you? And she goes, and she literally does this, kind of looks around. She goes, I think I see dead people there. And I go, oh, interesting. Yeah. And she goes, it's it's really, it's a lot too. And I go, and you don't, I said, so you're clairvoyant, which means you see energy. I go, but you don't know how to use it. And she goes, what's that? And she didn't even know. She just knows that she's having this experience and it's freaking her out. And I said, you need to learn how to use this. It's a real, it's a superpower if you know how to use it. But I, I sure enough, I kind of took her warning. So when I went there, I was ready. And when I came around the corner, I just kind of f- could feel, you know, in my body, I just started feeling and I was like, oh my God, like what, what is in that space is radical. How many souls are trapped there? How many are stuck in trauma? How many are confused and hurting? And I just literally kind of closed myself off and just said, I literally kind of said a prayer. I had my sunglasses on so no one could see that I was meditating, but I, I just said, I wish I could help all of you, but I can't. It's too much for me. I'm sorry. And I just kind of closed myself. I know I have this tactic where I kind of this technique of closing myself down energetically so I'm not taking all that in. But this kind of stuff is everywhere. It's, it's, there's a reason that there is thousands of years of tradition of like, Hey, don't go in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know? So it's, it's one of those things where, where it can take on various forms and, you know, I, I, you, you can, you know, you, you know, think about it. everybody in their town somewhere has a haunted pub or something like that. You know, I was in a pub in downtown Seattle a couple of years ago and, and they, they had a big thing on the wall that said, this pub is haunted. And it had a little picture of this old, old picture of someone. And this is so-and-so that haunts this pub. And, you know, you could think it's a gimmick. Well, I just take that stuff seriously. So I went to the bartender and I said, hey, can I ask you something? She goes, yeah. I go, the ghost. Does the ghost ever uh, bother you at all? She goes, yeah, all the time. I said, like, what, what happens? She goes, you know, she goes like ghost stuff. She goes, flickers of light. Knocks, when I'm trying to clean up, she'll start knocking bottles off the shelf. I go, really? Interesting. And I, and so I just went into a meditation, me and my friends are sitting around, everybody's talking. I just went into a meditation to feel into the room, to feel where this ghost was. And sure enough, she was right there. I could feel her and she's trapped, you know, and that's the thing is we understand she's trapped in trauma. She doesn't want to be there. She just doesn't know what's going on. And I literally, in my mind, I began to speak to her and I said, well, I said to her, Hey, I said, whatever happened to you, it's not happening anymore. You don't have to be here anymore. And then, and she, and literally there was this, her tension came right to me. And I said, whatever happened to you, it's not happening anymore. It's actually 2017. You don't have to be here anymore. And there was this, you could feel the energy start to shift. And I imagined a doorway on the wall of light just opening up. And I said, you can go into the light now. And then literally it took about, about four or five minutes of her just shifting with this kind of awareness opening up because I was relating to her kind of from the other side. And then I felt her whole body just transmute her entire, all her energy just transmute. And she just went into the light. She was able to cross over. But like, talk to me about when you're talking about you go into a meditation state and you like feel the, the ghost or you feel the presence and you connect with that energy. What, like, what do you mean when you're describing that? What does that like look like and right. feel like for you? Right. 
Yeah, it's well, so the ability is known as clairsentience and everyone has it, but most people don't know how to use it. So for to give you an example, like, have you ever felt uh, you ever felt butterflies in your stomach before? Like you got nervous? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So which one of your five senses do you use to feel those butterflies? Uh, what are the five? (laughs) No one ever knows. Taste. Touch. Oh man, what's the fifth? Hearing. Hearing. That's right. Okay, they're the five. So I guess, I guess, well, it wouldn't be touch. Yeah, it'd be none of them. It would be the sixth Bruce Willis movie. It would be the sixth. Yeah, it would be the sixth sense. So that's called clairsentience. It's the ability to feel energy with your attention. So when you, because if I was to open up your stomach and look in, I'm not going to see butterflies. They're not going to come flying out of your stomach or something like that, right? You're, You're feeling energy. And it's quantum field energy. So the question, of course, is well, what is it? Like, what's it made of? What's the frequency? Where did it come from? Why is it trapped in that space? Right? It's there. You can feel it, but you wouldn't be able to see it unless you're highly clairvoyant or something. So there's different abilities, right? The Christians would call them spiritual gifts, or you know, you know, the Jews would just call it prophetic abilities, right? The the, old, the prophets. This is what they were. We call them psychics, right? And everyone, but they're not supernatural abilities. They're very natural abilities, but because we're so cut off from our spiritual selves, most people don't ever get to experience them in a helpful way. If we experience them, it's more in a kind of a troublesome way. You know, like I'm, I'm empathic and so I'm too sensitive and I don't want to be around people. But instead of working on that, exercising that, using it, learning how to hone it so that it becomes a strength, we just kind of be tortured by it. So I become a, a shut-in. I stay inside and I have like four cats and I don't do intimate relationship or whatever because it's too much, you know? But, you know, truth is, you know, we can work with it. Bring me to, so you grew up Christian. Bring me to your process of uncovering this concept and then engaging with it and when you started to go oh you know what and we can we can keep it almost like specifically on on the ghost portion and you can connect in yeah i guess the things like what did you have to accept to get to the ghost points or what did you have to experience to get to the point where you went you know what i think i think ghosts are a thing and i think feeling them is a thing yeah um took me several years quite a few years so it's been 11 years since the my first kind of healing experience, which I talked about in the demons episode that we did where I, my wife did an exorcism on me. And, and what I, what happened was when I started to turn my attention to the internal self, I started doing what Meister Eckhart called the process of subtraction, right? I started pulling these, this junk out of my body, trauma and, and entities and this stuff. And as I've done that, what happens is the question, of course, when you heal like this as a process of subtraction, what remains? Well, what remains is you, it's your core self. And your core self, if you believe like I do, at least, is, is the image of God. So your vibration gets higher and higher and higher. And you are coming closer and closer and closer to Christ consciousness, you know, God-like, you know, experience of your life. When you do that, these abilities are very natural. And so what happened is a gradual process over the last 11 years of me becoming more and more aware more and more sensitive. And at some point I started to have pretty early on, I started to have experiences a lot when I was doing my own healing work of things inside myself. But then I started to feel other people's energy. And then pretty soon, I can't even tell you exactly when I started to be able to feel energy in spaces, in geographical spaces. I could walk into a room and feel the room. 
Does that make so sense? So when did you... Because it seems like the thing with what you're talking about is you're using a lot of Christian language and a lot of Christian ideas, the Christ. And, and I think last time we spoke, you'd be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian in, in some sense of, of the word. When did yeah. you... Like a lot of people deconstruct from Christianity and, and I suppose leave behind a lot of... What, what, what's the word? Like they, they leave behind a lot of the spiritual aspect of it, like that, that when you believe in a God, then you believe that there's this spiritual realm that you're talking about. And when people deconstruct from that, we, we, we might dismiss and go, okay, well, you know, maybe here and now is all we have. There's nothing after. Maybe there is no thing beyond the material. And that might be a common way of deconstructing. But on some level, you deconstructed from this traditional version of Christianity, this kind of post-enlightenment, what we see as Protestantism today, and you journeyed into where you are now. What began that journey? Like, what, what Christian ideas did you unpack, change, or shift that I suppose led you on this journey of self-emptying that you're talking about when you're saying, oh, I just started like pulling things out of myself in this way. Right. Um, it's a big question. I, I think, <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. What deconstructed in me wasn't my Christian beliefs. It was my attachment to belief itself. Okay. So it, it, it just became Christianity went from being a belief system to being a language to describe an experience. And when you see it that way, you can look at the scriptures and go, Oh, Holy cow, that's all that whole book is about. Like the all the books in there are books about experiences that people had or are having and they're trying to describe it and they're trying to tell the story of it. And and I went, well, that's the language I have, so that's the language I'll use and and it became about reframing those experiences that that I'm reading about in the text and I'm re- and I'm listening to all around me and I'm I'm watching and I'm watching 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 the people you know this guy says he's a Christian and he's at peace this guy's you know says he's a Christian and he's stressed out and what's the difference in their experiences and what happened and so there's it, it just became language because I lost belief as a as a structure that had any authority over my life what had ex- what had authority all of a sudden was experience right so if I if I uh, if I look at, you know, I mean, that's why I call myself a Christian mystic. A mystic is just someone who, who says the authority for truth is experience, not knowledge. Knowledge follows experience, you know, which, of course, is, you know, is pretty logical in a lot of ways. But when we come to the point where where beliefs, you know, it's it's they change their place in the hierarchy. Beliefs are not the are not the top of the mountain in the hierarchy anymore. What, what matters is what we experience. So if, if someone loves me, I should be able to experience love. If my mom says, I love you, son, and what I experience is actually manipulation or abuse or those kind of things, it's not love. And I get to hold the word love. I don't have to ditch the word love. I can keep the word love. But I get to redefine what that is. And that's all that happened to me when in regards to Christianity is I started to realize Christianity is not a religion of this this myth, mythological space of the gods and the and the devils clashing over the souls of human beings and the murder of a an old white guy in the sky you know murdering his son in order to pace it's not that it's a story about the death and the resurrection of all things on this planet and the continuing ongoing evolution of redemption that is the nature of the universe and so for me to come to to that type of thing the Christ is the embodiment of that so. That's that's kind of I don't know if that answers your question, but that's a really, that's a really big question. No, it it yeah, 
it, it really does because in some sense, this is the central heretical idea that let's call it true. Uh, it's hard to find words, you know, people label things differently, but let's go with like this modern traditional Christianity we see today. Uh, that this is the central heretical idea that you're talking about. I was listening to a podcast about this, you know, trying to expand my horizons, trigger myself, listen to different things all the, all and everywhere. And this this is the idea that this person was talking about, and I'm actually going to get them on the show. And they were talking about progressive Christianity is like the gateway drug to centralizing experience over the Bible, over God. And I just had so many questions being like, how would you define God, the Bible? But what you're talking about is you used to hold the Bible as this explanation and depiction of what reality is. Reality is like this. And as a Christian, when you say, when someone says, well, do you believe in X, Y, or Z, they're actually saying, do you agree that reality is really like this, that there is angels, heaven, hell, there's a God that died for your sins? Do you believe that that is the way reality is? And most Christians would say, yes, I do believe that. And it becomes like what you're saying, this knowledge, you're you're changing your knowledge to say, this is what I think reality is. And what I'm hearing and what you're saying is you're saying, you looked at the Bible rather than a textbook on what reality is. You looked at it and went, this is a collection of people saying what their experience of reality has been like. And it's almost like now you can look at your own experience and go, well, how does my experience line up with their experience? How does my friend's experience, how does the experience of those who are Buddhist uh, line up with what I'm doing? And it sounds like you're, you're including your own personal experience in your own depiction of what reality is. Does that sound like some level of summary? Yeah, 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 I think so. And, it, and, it's, and it's allowing for the idea that reality is something that is ever expanding, my, my ability to perceive it. I mean, so I've heard enlightenment defined as the ability to see everything simply for what it is, right? And so as opposed to having to run reality through my filters, right? like all the filters of my belief systems, my trauma, my upbringing, all that kind of thing, I can actually just see it for what it is. And now, now, you know, the idea that, that I, I just look at it and go, well, it was clear that Jesus was seeing something I wasn't. And it's clear that the Buddha saw something I want, unless right. I just discount everyone, everyone except for my belief systems is a liar, mm. which of course is silly. But if that person is able to live that way, then they perceive something about reality that I I clearly don't. So what it does is your your overwhelming stance towards your life is one of curiosity, and you just allow yourself to to be kind of broken down day after day. This is the idea of taking up your cross daily. I allow myself to die to those things so that my ego doesn't run my life. Right. And, and, and I've chosen what I believe Jesus, Jesus in, yeah, Jesus indicated that the, that belief systems that were, were secondary to an experience of the spirit. When we talk about the fruits of the spirit, peace, love, joy, mercy, kindness, all these kind of things, these are experiences that mark the fingerprint of God. So for me, that's the litmus test. If it produces this or what the Jewish people would have said, the shalom, right? The shalom of God, right? If it produces this, then therefore, it is true. And I'm not seeking truth. I'm seeking experience. Love is not a truth to be not to be head knowledge. Love is an experience to be had. So it has truth has to be embodied by its very nature. It has to be embodied. Right? And, and the idea of, of 
you know, so when I have an experience of something, you know, a ghost or something like that, so I have an experience in a room, I can be totally curious as to why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling and then what to do about it. Or I can relegate it to a, you know, here's how it is. Like my friend, that's creepy. Well, creepy is a definition that she gave something. So she didn't actually have to be curious about what it was. Does that make sense? It's just creepy. <laughs> right. So I just want to, I want to be completely open to everything. In, okay, this is okay. This is very interesting. I've got a, a lot of different uh, uh, ways to go on this, but just to touch on, it's an interesting picture that you paint when you say you, we can go through life and we can say the way I experience reality, you know, my experiences, the things that happen to me, is the way reality is, and it's very few people that truly operate like that. They might expand that operation of reality and say, well, my family, well, this happened to my dad and that's informed me as how I think, how likely car accidents are, you know, like meet young, reckless Conrad who's never really encountered death in his life was just like climbing ladders and skyscrapers and stuff and being like, you know, it's unlikely, it's probably not going to happen kind of thing. And that has led me to be, have more reckless actions, someone else who's encountered you know, just tragic death at the drop of a hat might go, no, no, this is like, this is, I really truly have experienced life as being fragile. So there's not many people that would go through life with just their own experience being labeled as this is what reality is. And then you get the religious world, let's take the Christian world, and it says, well, the Bible says this is what reality is. So I'm going to go with a bit of my experience, even though many Christians would say, no, no, ignore your experience. It's only the Bible, but I would I would probably from from my experience as we go I would probably say that we you can't avoid having your own experience. Um, no, in no, there somewhere. That's, that's, a, that's a suppression of all human all human basic reality. I mean, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, and and we yeah. say that because you know that's been that's been our experience with lots of other people, and so yeah, there's these levels of what we build up reality to be like, and and religion is one of them, and and the Bible is one of them, and you're essentially saying that, like, the Bible is a collection of other experiences that you can take into consideration, and then having this stance of including your reality makes you curious to other people's realities, make you curious to other people's religions, make you, makes you curious and open when you're talking to people. Cause this is what I'm gathering from what you're saying. If my question was what, what is the benefit of engaging with reality more loosely and saying, you're talking about this humility of your own reality to say, well, I haven't experienced it. But this person, this person, and this person have let me learn more about that. That seems to be the benefit. What, like, yeah, what would you say the benefit of, of holding it very loosely? Some people might argue back to you and say, no, you're going to be led astray. You're going to be deceived. It's going to, you know, you're going to be led down the wrong path because you're too open. What would you say back yeah. to that? Well, I, I'd say back to that, that people seem to have very little understanding of the power of God. Like the idea, you know, this, this fear that we're going to be too open, that we're going to expose ourselves to some sort of horrible thing is a very, it's a fear-based idea that has nothing to do with someone embodying or empowering the image of God within. So if, if I, if I embody the, the spirit of God, I embody the truth of God, I embody, like I'm made of God. If that's me, then I can trust that, you know, I can trust that. And, and in the end, that's, that's kind of the goal is that we can live our life. You know, Jesus called it faith, that we can live our life 
with a profound trust of something that we might not necessarily be able to articulate as some sort of scientific proof. You know, I can't prove to you, I don't know quantum physics enough to break down all the science. And as you said, we're all just curious about the idea of consciousness. We don't really know, right? We have ideas, we have thoughts, but I'm allowed to live in this space free of judgment. Free, I don't have to judge other people. I don't have to hold any of that. My, the stance I, I can take towards the world is simply love. I get to relate to anything and everything in love. Now, I will say this. There are people I'm not curious about. I'm not curious about fundamentalist religion. I've been there. I lived there for most of my life. So when someone says, like I had a guy come at me the other day in, in a Facebook group that I moderate and said, he went bananas about this isn't biblical and the Bible is the Bible and the Bible interprets itself. No one can interpret the Bible, you know, kind of that thing. Well, you know, I spent, you know, 33 years in that space. I'm not curious about that space. It doesn't have anything to offer. It doesn't have anything to teach me. I can be curious about his life and what he experienced and why he's come to that point and what's going to keep him from going to the place. But I can't learn anything ab about myself from that. And I can't really learn much about him unless he can engage with curiosity as well. So that, that level of consciousness, that, that group of people that exist in the world that cannot hold curiosity, they can't hold love, they can't hold any of those things. As much as I can say, oh, I, I can say I love them. I don't want to have anything to do with them because I can't be, I'm not, there's no, there's nothing to be learned here. You know, there's not, that's why Facebook is such a ridiculous space for the most part. It's not, not a space where anything productive is happening in any way, shape or form. People want to say they're having good conversations, but they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> you know, I mean, if it's just not, it's not possible to, to, in a medium like that, to, engage with curiosity. Everyone's there to just defend their collective energy, their collective trauma, their collective belief systems. And so I, I don't have any interest in that kind of thing at all. I'm not curious about it at all. <laughs> it's, it's a waste of energy. So this level of openness and curiosity, when you look at the Bible, this isn't a textbook of reality. It's language that has described reality for certain people. That led you yeah. to be open and curious about other experiences. Was it your own personal experience that made you curious about ghosts or was it stories you heard from somebody else that made you go, talk to me more? What was it? Um, it was both. It was both the fact that you hear stories all the time, right? Every Most people have a story like, yeah, I had this weird experience. Most people have that. And, and so if you let yourself be curious about that and then you start having experiences yourself and you get curious about, oh, geez, I'm having this feeling. I can feel this energy. I can feel that energy. If that's present in this room, then I should be able to feel that too. I wonder what that is. And then you make yourself curious towards it. So like my friend who was talking about the ghosts in her basement that wouldn't, that wouldn't let her do laundry, I can just call her, you know, it's the whole lunatic liar or Lord conversation. Remember that? Like you, I can say, well, she's either a nut, yes. which I know she's not, or she, she's completely yeah. psychotic, which she's not, or she's a complete liar, which she's not. So she must be telling the truth. <laughs> so I must, I can allow myself to just be curious now about what it is that's going on down there. Why is she having this experience? Is it triggering something in her? Is it something in a geographical space? If so, how so? Why, how did that happen? Why did that happen? You know, now, of course, we ended up clearing that whole house. We found a whole mess of stuff. It was a fascinating experience, but you know, I mean, we had the same thing. My mother-in-law bought a house, a 120-year-old house up in Whidbey Island a couple of years ago. She bought a house. We get up there and there were certain, it, it was just creepiest place ever. It was like when we'd go in, there was one room where my wife was like, I am not going in that room. And I'm like, why not? She's like, I'm just telling you. And I walk in there and sure enough, man, there was four or five ghosts in that room. And she's like, you have to come in there with me. And we go in there and we start 
doing our work and clearing that room. And now it's great. It's, it's very, the house is very, very clear, but it, there was all kinds of stuff going on in there. Why? I don't know. It's a really old house. A lot of stuff happened in that house, you know? So as, as I hear these stories and you're right, they're not, we all hear these stories from people and how do you, you like when you talk about these things, you're talking very like lit, literally like these are things yeah. that have power, they have energies, they can be sensed, they can be felt. What do you yeah. say? Because I could think of one of my friends who I'll probably chat to soon and he'll be like, man, like very, <laughs> like, he'll be like, there's no way. And what, like, what do you, what would you say to like, because I've listened, I've actually listened to a few podcasts on this, like science versus ghosts and they go in and they're trying yeah. to. They're trying to like measure these things. They're trying to verify these things. They're trying to, they're trying to get some sort of reading or something, some kind of recording verification, some kind of something. Because people would maybe listen to these stories and maybe this is how they justify it. So it's like, like liar, lunatic, lord, or like misinterpretation of reality, which is, I think most people kind of sit within. It's like, you know, say sure. the, the, the ghost story you told about the lady at the bar being like, ah, oh, sometimes we make noises. Someone would go old piping and sometimes bottles will fall off the shelf. She's like, yeah, you placed them wrong and time like did, you know, we can always find these more like understandable explanations of it. Yeah. More more materialistic. Yeah. yeah, That's right. So what would you say to those people that go, listen, like these things, like science cannot independently verify any of these things. Like if you go into the basement with a recorder, if you go in the basement with any kind of something to gather what we would call material evidence of it, why can't we get any? Well, yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I would say that first and foremost, right. We, uh, the human evolution is not even, we're not even close to where we're heading. You know, we, we will get to a place, a place technologically where these things merge, they come together. There's already, this is why, so many quantum, there's a lot of quantum physicists, legit quantum physicists that are becoming more and more spiritual in their mindsets because they're starting to realize like, I would love to some, find one. They, oh, uh, I, I, I Manos Kafatos is a great example. Okay. He's a, he's a high, high level. Yeah, I'll, I'll get, I'll get some links off you after and reach out to a couple. Yeah. Well, there's a wonderful book. Actually, he wrote, he co-wrote a book with a spiritual teacher named Deepak Chopra, where they wrote a book together called you are the universe. And they're positing, they're positing certain components of quantum physics saying, about how reality is created. And it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. It's pretty heavy on the quantum physics. So if you don't have any background in it, it might be a little too much for you. But but it's okay. but the idea is the idea is is that you know when someone says that's noisy, you know, you know, bad pipes and you know the slope on the on the thing, there's there's a certain level of logic we can apply to that. But when but when evidence starts to pile up, we can we are free to find other interpretations. And if we're open to those things, maybe we can find things in the end what's more helpful like my friend needed to do laundry when we after we cleared the house she was able to do the laundry she was able to go down there and felt no fear whatsoever no nothing now you could say well that was psychosomatic oh okay fine whatever like it worked you know and if we pile up enough what do you what do you make of the the psychosomatic argument to it being like is it just you know people externalizing an internal fear of maybe moving into a new house being in a new space feeling the age of the house through the the aged wood and the creeks and the cracks and and like yeah what, what do you make of someone that says you know it's it's like psychosomatic and then through the ritual of you going in and clearing the house and things like that like sure. what do you make of that 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 borderline argument that says listen i'm not saying they're not real 
but I wouldn't say they're literal. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a ritual thing, the human condition. We can feel more comfortable with a friend coming in and doing these things and becoming like okay with it in that way. So it's maybe a metaphorical sure. thing, not a literal thing. What do you make of that? Right. Uh, well, I make of it, it what I what for me as a curious person, what I do is I start looking at like you can go. Well, it seems like there are so many stories. You know, I mean, yeah. I if I lined up a million people in front of me right now, I said, how many guys have had a story where you've encountered something that freaked you out a little bit? It was scary. Yeah, raise your hand. I, you know, I'm sure I'd get a lot, <laughs> right? And if I and I've looked at all of them, just so you guys know, all of those has a completely logical explanation. Then. You know, and we can do that. Now, well, it's not going to shift the fact that they're having that experience. You know, if I go up to her and go, hey, just, you mm-hmm. know, those are just noisy. Those are just bad pipes. It doesn't change the fact that she's <laughs> yeah. experiencing this thing. Well, did we just, we told her it was haunted, so it is yeah. haunted. I think that's a, I won. I think that that discredits, it, it, it literally discredits far too many stories. Far, millions of people have these experiences all the time. And I think there's a better explanation for it. But, it, you know, it goes a little bit back to that liar, kind of liar, lunatic or Lord kind of thing. The fact that people, there are people that try to logically explain every single phenomenon that every human being is experiencing to me is illogical. You know, it's like if you get into, mm. uh, sorry, I forgot to put my phone on. Do not disturb. So it disrupted. But if you, if you get into, uh, it's, it's Occam's razor. You ever, you ever, you know, this term, you know, you know, this, uh, this tool Occam's razor. Yes. It's a, is it's that a logic tool? Yeah, remind me. <laughs> okay, so Occam's razor. Occam is, is, is the positive is this: if you, all things being considered equal, the thing that is most likely to be true, is. Okay. Is, so it's yes. it's a basic like whatever seems is most likely to be true is is likely to be true. Well, if I've got a million people talking about these types of phenomenon experiences, and I got some 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 atheists or scientists or or, or hardcore materialists over here, the Richard Dawkins of the world, explaining it away. If I sat with that and listened to it, I, I what whatever is more likely to be true, I could say that's 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 probably true. Well, I think that the, I think there's enough evidence. I really do. I think there's enough stories. I think there's thousands and thousands of years of people talking about supernatural. We can call a supernatural phenomenon to say that yeah, this is there's this is legit. And I think quantum physics is coming closer and closer to an experience of being able to describe that or even measure it. Maybe we're not there yet. Yet there yet, but I think that it's true. And and now of course I I can say inside myself I know this is true because I have these experiences on a daily basis, but. Can I prove it? Of course not. I can't. You know, like I told you before we started recording that I could feel this grief stuck in your chest, right? Yeah. And I can't prove. I can't prove that to you. You know what I mean? I can't prove it to you, but I know what mm. I, I know what I'm experiencing, and I'm skilled enough and honed, and I've honed that ability to the point where I don't doubt it for one second. But you know, then people, but anybody listening to this would have to decide: is Seth a lunatic, or is he a liar, or is he telling the truth? So I guess my question then, because I, I, I mean, I. I can resonate with what you're talking about when you say, well, you, you're not arguing from a position of going like, no, nah, like Conrad, this is real. Like it's like, I've, you're not, yeah. it, I don't get like you're trying to convince me of your reality or my listeners of your reality that goes no. real. But what I find no. interesting about the way you assess it is go, well, what is helpful for people? Is it helpful for me to go into that house with, with people and say, uh, it's just pipes kind of get over it. Like it, you know, you'll right. be right. This person, you're right. like, well, I know them. They're probably still going to be living with fear. They're probably still going to be not doing laundry in the basement. They'll go to their friend's house right. because they're having this experience and you've gone, well, my experience lines up with that. And I've had these encounters as well. So I'm going to kind of accept that as a reality. So along the lines of saying, 
it's like we've sidestepped the argument, to be clear. We've sidestepped the argument on whether ghosts are actually real or not. And we've come sure. to this argu- we've come to this position of talking about it that says, what's helpful and beneficial about behaving as if they are real? And you would say, right. a lot of people are behaving as if they are real, so let's go with that. And you're saying, well, I've had right. these experiences, so it's easier for you to go with that than say someone like me. I'd be like, well, I haven't really had any, so I don't think I yeah. can go with that. So yeah, pass out this idea for me. Like, what is the benefit? on engaging with this as if they are real entities that can engage with the material reality? Like, what is the benefit of operating with that idea over the idea that, you know, someone might say, well, they are real to the human subjective. Your friend is experiencing them as real and that's good enough. So it's not a dismissal, but it's saying it, it could be an inner projection of trauma. It could be, you know, harking back to a childhood memory of being in a big old house alone. And that's why the person's scared and she's kind of subjectively experiencing it as if it's a real thing out there. What do you think the benefit of operating the way you're talking about it as opposed to the way I just described. Yeah. Well, the benefit, um, you know, this is where I have to engage my beliefs a little bit, but my beliefs are based on my experience. Right. So, yeah. uh, after we, after we cleared that house, the benefit was clearly that she could go down in the basement and she could do her laundry. Now, no fear, no anxiety, no nothing. You know, my mother-in-law's house, my wife, it, all the rooms, you feel differently. Now I actually believe it's real. And I function as if it's real. I operate as if it's real. And I experience that reality. And I experience the energetic shift in that space. And so it feels different afterwards. And if someone wants to chalk all of that up to just psychosomatic things being created by my belief systems, they can. That's fine. But the difference is afterwards, we can go in the room and there's no anxiety. And there's no fear and there's no nothing. Right? Now, I'm not going to go clear out ground zero at night, in, you know, in New York City because that's just a little too much for me. I don't, I'm not at that level. So, you know, if to help my friend, you know, that was having the experience of that being creepy, I just told her, I said, you need to learn how to use this ability because then she wouldn't be so afraid. You know, your this ability that you have to see this thing is scaring you and we need to teach you how to use this ability because I'm not going to go clear out, you know, ground zero and, you know, make that happen. So she's having an experience. It's not helpful for me to call her a liar. You know, you're just seeing, you're just seeing illusions. I think you're schizophrenic. You, you, we we yeah. probably should take you to a mental, mental hospital. That's not helpful. I just took her completely seriously. Yeah. Well, I, like I take everyone. If somebody said yeah. to me, ah, it's, you know, it's just a, you know, it's something it's, you know, it's a little Scrooge, Scrooge kind of thing. Ah, oh, it's just something I ate a little morsel of beef, you know, that that's doing something bad to me. I just go, <laughs> oh, Okay. All right. Well, you, you seem like you're all right. And I do that so, all the time. People come to me with experiences and they're in pain and they're struggling and they go, I just, you know, I just think I just, you know, I just really need to do, you know, start working out or something. And I go, oh, all right. Well, sounds like you got it figured out. <laughs> go work out. When you've suffered enough, then you'll try something new, you know? So it sounds like, yeah, I, I, I can hear your framework of engaging with different things. Yeah. If it, if it's working so far, that's fine. And if you're hurting enough, you'll, you'll try something new. And you're saying this new thing that you have come from, from Christianity to where you are now has been the new thing that is helpful for you. And I'm hearing when you talk about taking your friends seriously and literally and going, all right, let's head to the basement. It almost sounds like it allows you to create some kind of liturgical practice that's very physically based 
going down into the basement to do some level of, I suppose, ritual or exercise that creates comfort and peace. That would be the outcome of what I'm hearing. You're saying if it's psychosomatic, if you take it as psychosomatic, well, you're going to work with her and that might be helpful as well and say like, tell me about like your childhood. Tell me about, and that may, maybe that would be a helpful approach, but you're saying there's this also helpful level to it to go, all right, let's go into the space and let's pretend, well, not even pretend, but some people might say, oh, well, you just, you know, someone might pretend that it is real and engage with it on that level. And so the benefit is, it becomes a physical practice. It becomes a physical engagement of that which is inherently not physical and right. not able to really be grasped in any way. What, like, what yeah. do you think of that? Well, and of course, your, your average materialist would see this as delusion, and I'm facilitating people's de- delusions. You know, yes, but <laughs> but of course, you know, I you know, I can talk to that materialist who's smoking a bunch of cigarettes, and I go, yeah, but you're killing yourself. Right. Mm. I mean, like, so, you know, I mean, it's just a matter of what level of delusion you'd like to accept. I don't see it as delusion. (laughs) I see it it as helpful. We're all delusional. So what level of illusion would you like to live with? And 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 I actually in my in my framework and my belief systems and how they function now, I, I, I look at it. I think it's actually quite helpful. I think we need more people that actually can engage the world on a quantum level. In, in their own experience. And I think it's quite helpful. So I lead people down that road. And if someone doesn't want to be led down that road, I'm not going to lead them down that road. But people come to me all the time, all the time, you know, with, with experiences that they've had that they need to understand. And then, and then, you know, and I can give them a new framework. It's more helpful. So then let's, let's engage with that argument of the materialist that would say, oh, you're encouraging delusion. Cause obviously there would be a line, there, there would be scenarios where that's true and where, it goes from helpful to harmful. And uh, I was listening to a podcast recently that was talking about this, the, the what's it called? The, the new emerging wellness in- industry. You know, there's lots of influences, oils, this will help this, this will help this, you know. And, yeah. <clears throat> and where that's beginning to push up against and into conspiracy. And so someone might mm. say to you, okay, you've got this framework that seems to rely too heavily on your own experience. And they might say, and that can lead people to go, and you know what? I have had, I, I have heard stories about people getting impacted negatively by vaccines. I have had heard, heard stories of uh, COVID not being a thing and Bill Gates wanting to put microchips in your brain. And there's this emerging... Okay wellness industry going heavily into the QAnon, look it up if you if you don't know what I'm talking no, about. I'm, fami- of this, I'm, I'm familiar. I get, this, <laughs> we all got to deal with that crap over here. <laughs> this yeah. insider that's like leaking information, global pedophile ring, I'm sure you can, Wikipedia will give if a you could get him, If you could get Q on the podcast, <laughs> you would be doing it. You'd I actually well. listen to a podcast about <laughs> who Q potentially is and they've kind of narrowed it oh, down yeah. to a few individuals. Um, but, but essentially, what do you say to that person that goes... But if you're encouraging people to to engage with reality heavily based on your experience, and that is now very individualistic, it's I am my own authority of what's healthy and what's not. So I'm not going to trust scientists when they say, here's a very proven and healthy vaccine that's a lower risk than getting the measles or something. Like, So that can become dangerous because we're using our own experience over science yeah. or over something else. What would be your response to that? Um, well, you know, obviously when it comes to, uh, people's healing, what matters is that everything changes. Right. So like I was telling a client of mine the other day, I'm like, listen, like the whole goal 
with everything, everything we're doing, thinking, reading, acting in is that we can wake up tomorrow and go, man, I just feel great. <laughs> That's the litmus test. If we wake up in the morning and go, I feel great. And we relate lovingly to our world and we relate with a sense of presence and acceptance, then great. And if scientists can give you that, great. If this materialist over here can give you that, great. I have a certain way of doing that and helping people. And the evidence, the reason I can say, hey, listen, like my experience is, 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 uh, there's a truth to it is because I started talking about it. People started coming to it. People started copying it, wrote a book about it. People started reading it. And all of a sudden there's this community of thousands of people around the world who had their lives changed for the better and are feeling better today. And that's the evidence, right? You know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not, I don't have a, a study that I've done or anything like that. I, I just took my evidence. I remember going to to the major league soccer headquarters in New York city. And I said, Hey, I want to, I sat down with a bunch of the executives and I said, I need to show you guys something that I'm discovering about why your athletes aren't developing at the level they should. And I laid it all out. And a guy in the, you know, one of the heads of the department, he had a PhD and he says at the end, he says, do you have any evidence beyond uh, anecdotal evidence for this? And I go, no, of course not. I go, yeah, I go, that's your job, man. I don't, you think I can fund a study like that? That's your job. I'm telling you, this is what's going on. You can accept it or not and then do a study to discover it for yourself and help you understand better if that's what you need. And I totally understand. It. This is the business. You guys need that kind of thing to quantify, to put in front of the people with the money to fund the studies to help the people. I get that. I'm just telling you, I've done it. It's there. Go find out, you know, go, go gather the evidence. I'm just telling you. And he's like, oh, okay. And I think he finds it helpful. But of course, it's not going to change the where where they're spending their money and stuff like that until it gets funded in a, in, a, in a scientific way. So I totally understand it. It's just like, it's like what was it a uh, uh, was it Carl Carl uh, what's his name Sagan when he was talking about how science science fiction is a preset is a precursor for for science itself, right? There, there's so many things. Our imaginations are are what's taking us forward. We could say science is taking us forward, but it's not. Science follows the imagination. We, we're at, for for centuries, we've been getting super, super curious. You know, the first people that started doing science are just looking up the stars going, I wonder what all those things are, you know? They're not fireflies stuck in that big, you know, bluish black thing up there. You know, they're, you know, what are they? You know, and that's how science began, right? We start looking for, so people that are having experiences like I'm having, you know, are, are the imagination that's driving things forward. Um, and, you know, I, and what I have behind me is 10 years of experience now of people's lives being transformed for the better. And that to me is evidence to a scientist who needs quantitative studies. Maybe it's not evidence, but it is to me. So. I guess to push even more, I spoke to a, and I haven't released it yet, but I spoke to a very prominent Australian celebrity chef. His name's Pete Evans. And he nice. is, he was he's been massively beat up in the media. Uh, looking at his Instagram, I think he kind of does it to himself, to be honest, but (laughs) he's kind of been beat up in the media and, and in a way he would have, he lands on the, I wouldn't be surprised if he was full blown Q conspiracy theorists, like Bill Gates, microchips, world depopulation. Um, sure. I'd like, maybe he's not flat earth, but from my conversation I've gathered and the things I've read, it's like very anti-vax, very like, um, science doesn't 
like medicine is pretty much useless. COVID's not a thing. We're being manipulated. All, all those kinds of things. And he, in right. a way, he, he kind of said the same thing you're saying. There is a, I'll, I'll be honest. There is a big difference between you and him. He, I'll be honest yeah. with all the listeners. He wasn't the nicest guy to talk to. Um, you're, re- <laughs> you're a really nice guy to talk to. And I think the difference is, is he was very much like very dogmatic, like this is reality and you're an idiot if you can't see it any other way. And you're very much not like that. Yeah. But he did say a similar thing being like, I get messages from people all the time saying when I go when I go on a paleo diet and when I'm doing this and and when I follow your instructions and when I buy your products that say like it might cure covid or might do these things like my life's better and all he uses that like experience of anecdote to kind of validate his experience but people would argue sure. very strongly with some solid scientific evidence that the things you're proposing and encouraging people to do are very dangerous and harmful for them physically themselves and for society if if we all ignore a lot of the science on like vaccinations is the big one on on community transmission of diseases and things like that if we and this is a question i asked him he didn't really answer very well it's like what happens when something's good for you but evidence you know suggests that it can really harm somebody else where yeah. like where does that come up with so separate yourself for me from pete when you when you're saying like what leads you to kind of do you embrace science where it can or do you kind of look at science and go mm, it doesn't really know what it's talking about i'm kind of going to go with my personal experience over the science how do you how do you mesh those two things together i'm actually it's funny you say that because for me, I'm a, I'm a fan of science. Like I root for them a little bit like I root for my local football you know, <laughs> club. You know, I'm rooting for science. I'm in the stands going, you guys can do it. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Because what I'm having, the experiences I'm having at, as of yet – you know, aren't being explained, but we know this. There's a, there's a whole bunch of open, what's known as the open questions in science, right? You talked about consciousness earlier, you know, the question of what is consciousness yeah. and where does it come from? Yeah. They haven't figured that out yet. Well, the Indian sages were talking about this 5,000 years ago. They were talking about consciousness that people that are heavily yeah, right. for thousands of years have been talking about this in, in, engaged by their own experience. So I'm rooting for science. I'm literally going, man, I can't wait. I can't wait until there are discoveries made where they can finally go, we figured it out. We know what consciousness is now. Does your perspective on reality shift based yeah. on some science? Like you might read a study and go, oh, like, d- does that inform your reality? Um, it, it informs my language. And, it, and because my experience, first and foremost, okay, it, it informs my reality. Science informs my understanding of how to talk about that reality and how to understand, how to, how to, bring that reality into an integrated way of understanding it as a part of this human race. Right. So when I discovered, when I first started doing this and then I discovered the, the, uh, the dual, the double slit experiment and then the wave particle duality and my understanding of what wave particle duality is, it started influencing a lot. Oh, wow. I wonder if this relates to that experience I'm having and this thing. And I wonder if it's like this and it's like that. And I started asking all kinds of deep questions of my mentors, like, you know, about these kind of things. And then how, how, you know, quantum entanglement and what does that mean in terms of what I'm doing here and how I'm experiencing this or that or this? There's all kinds of when someone falls in love and at first sight, what does quantum entanglement ha- have to say about that experience? You know what I mean? Like, what is that? You know what I mean? So there's I mm. let those things all I let them all dance with each other. And that's and and for me, I just keep I I, I just as a, as a, any mystic would, you just keep speaking your truth. You keep living out the cur- the questions you have. You keep letting yourself grow 
in the end, for me, it's all about just continuing to expand and heal myself. And if I continue to do that, I, I'm just watching myself transform into a person that's more at peace, more joy, more happiness, more love, more, more patience, more kindness. And that's the experience of my life I want to have. And if that blesses other people through what I'm learning, that's just an ancillary benefit of the whole thing. So that's, that's the goal, of course, is that we love, right? I think one of the differences I might draw between, and people won't be able, well, it'll probably be out by the time I air this episode. So it'd be interesting to get anyone listening, your thoughts on the difference between when you hear me talking to Pete and when you hear me talking to Seth. I think one of the differences seems to be when you're talking about experiences and tell me what you make of this, if if I'm on, on, on or off track, but when you're talking about the spiritual things that are spiritual in life. It sounds like that's the that's the realm where you're going into things that can't be known by science. So things like love, things like art, things like beauty, the things that we call spiritual that we all know whether you're religious or not. We go, yeah, love is inquantifiable. You can't go, well, it's just a simple firing of neurons in your brain and releasing a chemical right. that makes you feel a certain way. It's like, cool, yeah. but it's also yeah. to you more than that. And, and, and I'm hearing yeah. you lean into that in that area. But it doesn't sound as if this subjective experience is what informs your material reality. It it doesn't sound as if, you know, some people might apply like their experience of like diet or research on good exercise techniques like you, let's say you're in the gym doing an exercise and a PT comes over and or, or a physio comes over and it's like you should really stop doing that because that really grinds the joint within here and here and in a couple of years you're actually going to like destroy your joint it's it sounds to me like some some people might go no no this feels good to me I'm going to keep doing it but it sounds like sure. in that realm, you would probably go, oh, well, this guy studied body movements. It does feel good, yes. but maybe I'm not really understanding yeah. it entirely. I'm exactly. going to let that inform my reality here and maybe stop doing that. Is that sound? Yeah. What do you make of that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the difference between Pete's level of consciousness and mine is that mine, the primary, the primary filter for my level of consciousness is love, curiosity, and courage. The, the primary, the primary filter at, his, at that level where ego is still the thing is, is certainty. You have to reach certainty. So it doesn't matter what the certainty uh-huh. is as long as you're certain. Right. And so, and that addiction is certain. You had people right. on your podcast, like, like a sure fundamentalism. That's a conversation. Yeah. It's a fundamentalism, no matter what it is, this is the way it is. So when you encounter someone like that, it's difficult, right? Because that you can feel the, the concrete nature of that thing makes, makes love impossible, makes conversation difficult, makes experience of an exchange of ideas, even, you know, it's, it's simply kind of foolish to even try. But the idea, you know, for me is that, you know, when we talk about love being the kind of love is the goal, when we talk about God is love and love is love is kind of the point of this entire experience, which I think most people, even people like Pete would probably agree that that's, that's a really important part of life, if not the most important part of life. Then for me, that I want that to be the filter. I want that to be the experience. I think that's what, as Christians, I think that's what we were meant to. I mean, when it says in the Bible that they will know we are Christians by our love, that's speaking towards this mm. way of living, right? But of course, most Christians are known for an addiction to certainty, right? And how that plays out in the world. So I, I really... Uh, you know, it's it for me. I I see this as you know. I'm thinking of the Vedanta tradition, how they they describe the expansion of consciousness, right? How we go from deep sleep to dream state to waking state 
to soul consciousness, to cosmic consciousness, to divine consciousness, to unity consciousness, how the, the life is a process of expanding. We see more and more, we feel more and more, we, we understand more and more because when we were given this tiny little pinhole to look through and on the other side of that wall is God. And the hope is that by the time I die, that maybe it's, maybe it's about the size of a quarter, you know, of a coin, you know, and I can see more, hear more, feel more, experience more. So that I end up kind of like the book of Job, you know, at the end, he's just like, I'm going to cover my mouth now and not speak anymore because I didn't understand what I was saying. You know, sure. Like, like Jacob, surely God was here and I wasn't aware of it. That's, that's kind of the goal. Um, and if we don't have love, then what's the point, you know? Yeah, that that framework you're you're laying out is, and it's funny because it's one of those things we all, as I do this podcast, I'm really trying to disentangle the, like, we all say we're for love, openness, and inclusion. And I hope, mm-hmm. as I do this podcast, I'm not here to label somebody, this guy's not open, this guy's beliefs lead him to not include. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that, but I do think as I talk to people, people will say like, <laughs> my mate said to me, why the hell would you give Pete a platform? Like why? And, and, and my response to that was, was kind of like one, I'm not a big platform anyway. And two, right. I think people can see for themselves as I talk to different guests, what ideas truly lead them to more love, openness, inclusion, and acceptance. And the theme I've come across lately, I just released uh, the Brad Jerzak episode I did a while ago with Cam, and he's talking, he also is talking about the need for openness and trust and faith for as essential to the human experience to cultivate these things like love. And so, the, the connection that I'm hearing you talk about between love and either openness or humility or the connection between love and letting go of certainty, it seems to be a reoccurring theme I'm coming across that says the thing that might keep us at a tribal us versus them level, whether it be in the religious fundamentalist world or in the political fundamentalist world, you know, looking at America right now, looking at any politics right now, it seems to be that certainty limits our capacity to love. What do you think of that? Well, Well, I think trauma empowers ego and ego is only capable of certainty. A ego is not capable of love, but, but certainty is safe. Certainty keeps us alive. So it, it does create that tribal, very primitive level of consciousness, you know, which we see operating big time. Everyone sees op- that operating over here in our politics right now. You know, people are like, why the hell would people support a lunatic like this? Well, it's because there's a survival based narrative there. It's completely wrong. I mean, they, it, everything, everybody's like, well, he lies all the time. Well, yeah, but it, it, you know, it's like, you ever heard of the show Seinfeld? Have you ever heard of the American show Seinfeld? You know, love Seinfeld, greatest sitcom oh, ever yeah. made. Just, just honestly, well, George, George Costanza. Remember, George Costanza was that was his biggest. He was a lying was his superpower, right? And at one point, Jerry is trying to beat this lie detector, and he says to him, he says, "You know, you got you got the gift, man. You got to teach me." And, and he says to him, he goes, "Listen, he goes, it's like asking Picasso, you know, teach me how to paint." But he goes, "Listen, it's <laughs> it's a it's." He said, "Jerry, remember, it's not a lie if you believe it." <laughs> right and it, and that's true <laughs> you know what I mean? that's that's absolutely true yeah. and at a certain level yeah. at, at the level of consciousness that someone like say a trump occupies 
and the, and his supporters, what they occupy at that level of consciousness, let's say in that culture, let's call it its own country in that culture, the, the litmus test for, for the, the nature of existence, the greatest value of existence is survival itself. It's kill or be killed. It's stay alive at all costs. It's very warlike, which is why you need an enemy, which is why you, you, it's always a fight, which is why it's like, if you don't believe this, you're an idiot. That's, that's kind of, that's that state of consciousness. What we're talking about is an expansion into a larger state of consciousness and, and where we see more. We, you know, it's like Jesus said, right? He who has the eyes to see let him see. He who has the ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to him. He's talking about the kingdom of God is around you. It's here. It's now. It's all around. He was just trying to show people something they couldn't see because remember the people, the masses that were following him were just, how do we survive? How do we stay alive? You know? And he's trying to show them that there is a greater existence, which is why those first Christians were so cool, right? They were like, they enjoyed the favor of all the people, it says in Acts, right? Because they had lost that survival level of consciousness and they were living in love, right? Everyone knew them. They enjoyed the favor of all the people because they were just giving, they were taking what they were pooling, what they had, giving to the poor, helping everyone because they'd lost that level of consciousness. It was an expansion of consciousness. And all I'm saying, when we talk about ghosts and mm. stuff, all I'm saying is you can expand at cert, at higher levels of consciousness. We have different abilities. It's very super. It's very Jedi is what it is, to be honest. My son and I, we, I explain spirituality to my kids through Star Wars, like, through the whole Jedi thing. My son has a, has an ability to heal with his hands. Now he can do it. He's done it for me. I've watched him. He did it just the other day. He healed. I had this, I had this injury and he took a whole bunch of pain away with his hands. Now, can he do that because he believes it? And I believe he can. And it was a psychosomatic reaction. Sure. But I get really, really curious about the energetic experience when he lays his hands on me and I start coughing and then the pain goes away, you know? Those are all real experiences, and I don't care whether they're, you know, how someone wants to label them. My inner question is always, and maybe we don't have time to go into it, but Seth, why can't we measure it with science? Why don't we have any studies that can go, let's take some injured people, let's take some, like, some healers or some people who can read energy, and let's, like, measure this phenomenon. Surely it's got to be placebo, Seth. This is is my greatest question. Well, I will say this. In India, they've done studies on some things like this that we don't necessarily give credence here in the, in the U.S. And I can, I'll send you some links, okay, so you can see some of okay, the stuff. Okay, send me some homework. Yeah. There are, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of studies done. I mean, right now, there's a ton of stuff being done around psychedelics, right? The experience having, you know, that someone has yeah. a psilocybin or DMT or something like that. And we're willing to, for some reason, to acknowledge the experience there because it's a substance so we can fit it in our tiny little brains. But... You know, the idea that someone can, can <laughs> okay. be transformed, you know, transformed. We, it's like we, when you say, why can't science measure this? I just think of the word yet. It's yet. Why can't science measure it yet? Right. Why hasn't science right. measured it yet? As if, as if okay. we're anywhere near where okay. we're going as a human race. Where I don't believe, I'm an optimist. I don't believe we're going to be extinct in 150 years. I think we're going to see innovation and transformation and expansion. <laughs> oh, you're and optimistic, and a, man. And, a, look and at, an, an awakening look across the board. <laughs> I think I know, right? But there's, we're going to have an awakening <laughs> that, of 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 the of the likes we've never seen before across this planet. That's going to cause massive transformation, and we're going to heal this planet, and we're going to heal ourselves, and we're going to heal the world. So that's what I believe. I think people are kind of awesome. You know? <laughs> I yeah, I think I think people can sense like the, your your positivity, and and I I must apologize to those people thinking that I was anywhere near like qualified enough to like dig into 
the mecha- mechanisms of ghosts and their reality, but I do enjoy <laughs> where where we ended up because the ghosts serve as like a very interesting uh, tool for digging into the yeah. structures of you, Seth, and these ideas that you've come across that lead you to ghosts, but I'm also very interested where the conversation takes us to the point where at, at the end you're talking about how trauma seeks certainty and yeah. certainty kills our capacity to love and love being i've never heard it put that way love being there's our survival that's not love it's like i've got to i've got to physically survive and then there's love which which is a way of existing that says obviously the jesus narrative that says well i'll just die then because i love i won't fight that's like yeah yeah it's like survival of the fittest or love or just love living yeah i that was That's an that's an interesting thought. If you, uh, Seth, is there anything you want to say to kind of sum up, or, or anything you you might have missed? Uh, no, not really, man. I mean, I, I think we I think we we hit some rabbit trails that we could go down <laughs> way 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 down. You know, even the idea of miraculous healing. But I I, I do appreciate. Oh, man. I really there enjoyed we go. the conversation There's the next with one. you. Yeah, I, I I appreciate the conversation, man. And I and and I I am again wanted to express just you know publicly like my 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 regrets you know with what happened with cam and and he's deeply missed here um i miss his voice and he's got mm. a spectacular voice that one yeah you know and uh and so oh, you know again one of the again best. he's very very missed man but i really appreciate you having me on man it was a lot mm. of fun thanks sir it's, it's always good to talk to you if if you're if you're listening to this and you're you're thinking man i just can't get on board i disagree entirely and you've made it to this to the end Right. Props to you, because that's the point. You make it to the end of a, of a, of some ideas that you you might disagree with, you might not understand. Hopefully, I've managed to map some and show you a bit of like who Seth is and where this idea leads him and how it helps him. You don't have to agree, agree, disagree. Who really cares? I say, uh, Seth. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, one of your listeners I'm working with as a client now. Um, so it, I had someone get a hold of me, just DM'd me on Instagram, which is a fine way to do that. You can find me on, on my Instagram and, and DM me there, or you can go to my website, which is sethallentaylor.com, A-L-A-N in the Allen. Um, that's that's going undergoing a badly needed renovation right now, but but you can go there. Um, we also have mypilgrimage.com which is where I do some of my work. And then my, my, and if, and if you're an athlete and you need help, go to Iani training.com. And that's my other, my other thing. <laughs> Where are you doing, athletes I, out there? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, A, N, N, I, but yeah, no, I mean, DM me on Instagram and I can help people. I do, I do, you know, these 12 session yeah. gigs with people to help them kind of learn about this. You know, I, and we, I teach them, I teach them everything that all these abilities that I have, I teach people that in order so that they can heal themselves. Um, that's the idea. And if you have any questions and you want to turn this podcast into a practice, then on Instagram, when this episode's post, ask some questions. What did I miss? I missed a bloody lot. I apologize for that. The ghost <laughs> thing. There's many more questions to be asked. I know you're thinking, yeah, but yeah, but what about this? What about yeah. that? Send them through. Well, like, let me know. Turn it into practice. Ask some questions and send uh, me a DM. What did it make you think? Reach out to Seth if you'd like to. You can, you can always email the show 
idiasdigest at gmail.com if you want me to go down some rabbit holes. Otherwise, I'm just following my own, ah, just listen to a podcast here, reach out to somebody there. There's no method method to this madness. It's just kind of where we end up. But Seth, thanks again for joining us. It's been an awesome conversation. I'm sure it's likely we'll probably talk to you again. Miraculous Healing sounds like sounds yeah. like the next one <laughs> or wherever one. wherever you want to take it. If yeah. America's still standing in three weeks' time, let's let's fingers crossed for that one. Uh, actually, by the time this is released, we'll know. So if this episode's yeah. released, all is uh, all is well. All yeah, is okay. there you go. No, I, I'm going to celebrate. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, we get oh, a breather. Hey, we get a breather. Seth, how great is it that like the world didn't implode and America's like we thought it oh, would be man. heaps bad, but it's not. Oh man, I shouldn't I shouldn't set stuff up for. Oh, it's like <laughs> Jim Carrey said this here today. Let's all just bask in the Trumplessness of it all. <laughs> uh, better save better save that one for a couple of weeks because who bloody knows? That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you in the next episode. <laughs>